The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, we got a big week here on Punt and Pass. We have a very special guest joining us during the middle of the show. That, of course, is Dan Orlovsky. Everybody knows Dan for his work on ESPN, he is on Get Up in the Mornings. He's on College Football Live, and he calls a game. He's a analyst for ESPN College Football. Also, we've been giving you the Ray Guy Award and the Davey O'Brien Award Players of the Week each and every week. Well, it's semifinalist season, so we have these 16 Davey O'Brien semifinalist quarterbacks who will be up for the award at the end of this season. And get this, I have... Week 10's Ray Guy, punter of the week, of course. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, Aaron. Holidays are right around the corner, and our friends at imperialsports.com have updated the Punt and Pass merch page. we got a ton of winter styles, fall styles for everybody to check out. So go to imperialsports.com, click the Collaborations tab, Punt and Pass is right there, and get your gear all right dude week 11 it's here and some news broke today interesting news Notre Dame's quarterback Ian Book out this week against Florida State obviously he's been playing at an extremely high level probably the main reason why Notre Dame is still undefeated but Florida State sucks and it shouldn't matter that much this weekend no it really shouldn't Drew I mean you look at you look at Florida State and it 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 starts and we, and everyone knows, I mean, things start in the trenches, the offensive line, defensive line. And right now Florida's offensive line, which it, it's crazy. I mean, to think that this team was in 2013, they won the, 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 the championship yes. with Jameis. Yes. You think after that, they would just be cranking it out, recruiting. You're in the state of Florida. The Florida's not playing great. Miami at the time was not that playing that well either in the ACC. You think they would take advantage and just start loading up, especially in the interior saying if we're going to continue to compete and win championships against the SEC schools, we need to be bigger, stronger, faster in the interiors. And they just got worse. I mean, that offensive line, I know they're banged up, but they're they're not going to get it done. I mean, obviously it's a huge loss losing Ian Buck for Notre Dame, but the defense is playing well for Notre Dame. They've been playing well this entire season. It's at home. It's going to be a, a, a good environment. They understand, I keep saying it, they understand they need to win every single game in order to get into the playoffs. So yep. I think the defense is going to step up. The running game has been great for Notre Dame as well. And I, like I said, I think that defensive line is going to dominate Florida state cause some miscues offensively for Florida state. So I ain't worried about it. I know you're uh, maybe a little happy <laughs> possibility. It, it's more going forward. Yeah. We're texting today. It's for next week. No I mean, doubt. if he's not back next week for Syracuse, then you got to worry a little bit. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you're totally right. I mean, Florida State, if you watch them, you just see it. They don't have it in the trenches, as you just mentioned, Aaron. They've been getting whooped up and down the field, really, regardless of who the opponent is. And for how good Notre Dame is in the trenches on the opposite side, they should have no problem. And don't get it wrong here. I mean, it's not like they're throwing in a walk on and no disrespect to walk ons at the quarterback position. Brandon Wimbush has done it before. He has been inconsistent, but he knows what it takes to win a football game. I just want to ask 
ask you this, Aaron. It's Ian Book's ribs that are hurting him. As a quarterback, this this is not a one-week injury to me. I mean, this thing could linger, and next week they're playing Syracuse, a top 15-ranked Syracuse team in Yankee Stadium. It's not like a rib protector is going to give him all he'll of be, the guidance he needs. No, he'll be fine. I mean, Drew, you yeah. remember when I got my, my absolute ass handed to me versus Auburn my freshman year? Yeah, I, I mean, Nick. I, unfortunately, I do, yes. Yeah, well, you know, I, I fractured my sternum. You know, Ooh. And then luckily, we had a bye week the next week and then played Georgia Tech. But, I mean, I was like the Michelin man out there versus Tech, just layered up all over the place. So, <laughs> He'll be fine. Okay. I mean, sternum rib. I mean, it's it's all scary stuff. But yeah. you know, there's there's enough Evo Shield. Just get the Evo Shield. You know, just For get sure. the Evo Shield. Mold it to those ribs, and just run the ball a little bit more. But you, you got if you want to beat Syracuse, it's going to be a fun environment. I believe the game's in Yankee Stadium. You need your star quarterback to For be in sure. that game. So that's that's why. If this week was the Syracuse week, I think they would have played him. I, I think he would have sucked it up. He would have played. I think this is them saying we could beat this team with our third string quarterback. So let's rest him up and get ready to go for, for the, the home stretch against Syracuse and USC. All right. Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what happens, even if, you know, if for whatever reason, Florida State has a great game and Notre Dame's down at half or it's even at half. I'd, I wonder, based on what you just said, if they were to put him in in the second half. But I think Notre Dame won't have a problem. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on. All right. Before we jump into the semifinalist list for the Davey O'Brien Award Quarterback of the Year, and I'll give you the Ray Guy Award Punter of the Week. Any surprises with the college football playoff rankings this week, Aaron. We talked with Dan Orlovsky about it in a few minutes here, and he has some great insights on it, but it seemed like chalk. There was not much suspense on Tuesday night's release. No, and you look at it right now, and everyone in the top five, and then you throw in Ohio State, too, is pretty much in charge of their own and destiny Oklahoma, at the moment. You I mean, think, right? No, I, no, because I still think the Big 12 needs uh, – Obviously, Notre Dame to lose. Yeah. Right now, locks. Locks are Alabama. As of today, Alabama, Clemson, SEC, ACC, Notre Dame if they win out. So okay. if Notre Dame wins out, they're in. And if Michigan wins out, they're in. And then if Georgia wins out, they're in. And then, obviously, you and I can always go back and forth with if Alabama loses and whatever. Yeah. Those five teams control their own destiny if they win out there in the playoffs pretty okay, much can I, now can i just ask you a question and, and this yes. again this is not me being a hater because i'm going to give you statistics no. all right notre dame they beat ball state by eight points at home ball state's three and seven all right that's not a good football team in the mac they beat vandy by five at home vandy's four and five they are not they that beat good. michigan they, they beat, beat stanford michigan. they beat <laughs> virginia tech they beat Northwestern, and if they finished the season off, they would have beat Syracuse, and they would beat USC. Okay, okay, so thank you. I understand so, that. I like that. Now, now, Georgia and Notre Dame have one common opponent. That, of course, is Vanderbilt. Georgia beat Vanderbilt by 28 points. After this week, Georgia's playing their fifth top 25 opponent of the season this weekend, and then they'll play a sixth top 25 and really a fourth top 10 opponent in the SEC championship game. I just think those things could come into play in that committee room later on in the season, regardless of Notre Dame is undefeated or not. But also with teams like Oklahoma or Ohio state, if they beat Michigan a Georgia, if somehow they were to beat Alabama, like I think those quality close games or, or lack of quality close games could come back to bite Notre Dame. Am I wrong there? Or am no, I just... if, if Notre Dame wins out there and I think everyone knows that that's why they're number three right now. And, and that's why I believe if, if Oklahoma is not in control, of their own destiny, West Virginia is not yeah. in control. Washington Tate is not in control. The committee has decided an undefeated Notre Dame team is going to be in the playoffs. I mean, just plain and simple, because, like I said, the rest of their schedule, they do have the big game against Syracuse, and then the name USC does hold something. I know they're not having yeah. the year that you know maybe people were expecting or that we're used to seeing out there in California, but it's still USC. There's still quality players on that football team. So those are still very, very good wins. And then when the committee looks at it, they're like, okay, 12-0, and 0, we've named the wins. They are very deserving of getting into the playoffs. So – that's why I say those those conferences, those teams are right now 
uh, they dictate how their, their season goes going forward. I would argue if Notre Dame go, does go undefeated that their win against Syracuse at the end of the season on a neutral field would be looked at more impressive than a week one victory over Michigan. I would argue that. I just think, you know, Michigan played really poorly. They turned the ball over. It was the first week of the season. They were ranked number 14. Syracuse got some momentum, and they are kind of the giant killers in the ACC. I know Notre Dame's independent, but um, yeah, you said it, though. They control their own destiny. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's talk about and, and stick around for the Dan Orlovsky interview because he's done a mock committee meeting in Dallas, and he knows the ins and outs, and he talks about how the entire ranking process goes, so it's really cool. All right, let's talk about the Davey O'Brien Award, quarterback of the year. They released their 16 semifinalists that will be up for the award at the end of the year. I believe, Aaron, I know you're a voter on the committee now. I believe you guys narrow it down to three probably after the last week of the regular season. So three. Yeah, certainly. So knocking it down right now. But I mean, it's an impressive list. I mean, I'm just going to name a couple. Obviously, Will Greer, Dwayne Haskins. Justin Herbert, usual suspects. What's that? Usual suspects that we've been talking about. Yeah, the usual suspects. And then a couple of names that people, you know, may not hear all the time. Uh, Mason Fine from North Texas. I mean, he has been balling out this season. Marcus McMarion, I covered him a week ago. He's very, very talented quarterback for Fresno State. And they got a big, big ball game versus Boise State Friday night. I'm going to be tuned into that one. That should be good. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be tough. But yeah. I think goes into it. Do you win your conference championship? I mean, that plays wow. a role, not only your stats, but are you winning the big games on national TV in the big spotlight moments? So uh, it's going to be fun to see these next few weeks, not only who's winning football games, but who's going to start separating themselves as well with these awards, the quarterback awards, the Heisman's, et cetera, et cetera. Two names that surprised me on this 16 name list. One being Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy didn't start until, what, week five, Aaron? Trevor Lawrence is on this list from Clemson, a true freshman. It looks like the only true freshman. And the other quarterback that surprised me to be on this list, Jake Fromm. Jake hasn't necessarily had fantastic statistics or blow-you-away statistics. He's a winner, though. He's, he's a, a winner. winner. He wins football he's a winner. games. In the past couple of weeks, he's played really, really well. So congratulations to those guys. You mentioned Mason Fine. You talked about him weeks ago. Ryan Finley from NC State. Derek King from Houston. Jordan Love from Utah State. I did think I just said his name again. Um, Mackenzie Milton from UCF. Gardner Minshew, the mustache. Shea Patterson. Mustache. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention our boy Tua. Tunga Bailoa, he's on this list, obviously. I think you could probably pencil him in for that final three. He's had yes. an unbelievable season. But congratulations to all 16 of these guys. It is a star-studded 16-name semifinalist list for the Davey O'Brien Award Quarterback of the Year. I haven't followed it as closely in the past. Obviously, with them partnering with the podcast, we are very well aware of how this award's been working. But Aaron, tell me if I'm wrong. That is a pretty legitimate list of 16 quarterbacks. No, it's incredible. I mean, all the, but and we talk about every year that how these offenses are getting more and more advanced. And it starts with high school. I mean, I go to a high school game and these guys are running, you know, the spread. They're, you know, reading half the field of if it's cover two, we're going to work this side, cover three, work this side. They have the ability to check off first man. So, I mean, they're getting taught at a young age. And then we see all these, you know, quote unquote quarterback gurus all over the country. These kids are going to all these elite 11 camps. So by the time they get to college, they are a lot further along than 10, 15 years ago, where it took maybe a year or two to start understanding defenses, understanding offensive concepts. They're ahead of the game. That's why you see a freshman in there and Trevor Lawrence. That's why you see a sophomore in there like Jake Fromm. Yeah, they are just so much more advanced. But and and also then that's why, too, the quality of the quarterbacks in this group right now, it's going to be tough. But like I said, I think it's not only your stats and how good of a ball player there you are, but are you winning? Are you leading a team yeah. to victory? That's, that's, I think now that gets the 16 gets really put down to, to eight, then down to three. And then obviously your winner at the end. No, I would agree with you. It's much more than just putting stats on a page. Cause, uh, that is a very impressive list. So congratulations to all the 16, Semi-finalists. Now, the Ray Guy Award for Punter of the Year, they've got a huge watch list out right now, I believe, after next week. Ray Guy Award will come out with their semi-finalist list. But the Ray Guy Award Punter of the Week for Week 10 was Western Kentucky's Alex 
Ranella, Aaron, he had a career punting performance. He's a redshirt junior. They played last Friday night at Middle Tennessee. He kicked seven punts. They totaled 340 yards, all right? That is an average of 45.7 yards. Excuse me, that 45.7 yards was his net average. His punting average is 48.6 yards. That was a career high. He had zero return yards. Four punts out of his seven landed inside the 20-yard line, and four punts out of his seven went for 57-plus yards. That is quite a day. Mm. Alex Ranella, congratulations. You are the Ray Guy Award punter of the week for week 10, and this award is going to get interesting in the next couple weeks, this is it, man. This is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where teams separate themselves and players for those individual accolades separate themselves as the season winds down. Well, as this podcast is just getting started, Aaron, we got a very special guest about to join us, Dan Orlovsky. Dan is a 12-year NFL veteran quarterback. Now he's working for ESPN. I'll say no more. I'll just throw it straight to the interview. Enjoy this one. It's great. Here is Dan Orlovsky. Okay, we're going to welcome in a special guest into this week's episode of the Punt and Pass podcast. A good friend of mine, a former teammate of mine. I guess we were teammates for about five weeks. It's ESPN Zone. Dan Orlovsky. Dan is a college football insider slash analyst slash quarterback guru. You can find him on Get Up in the mornings on ESPN. You can find him on College Football Live on ESPN in the afternoons. And he also calls a game every single week. He is the lead analyst during ESPN's college football season. Dan, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? Well, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, I'm doing well. I obviously know of, know of your guys' podcast well, so I'm stoked to be with you guys. No question, man. And we are recording this on Tuesday. We're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. They come out tonight, but actually it's going to be very anticlimactic because I think we all know and expect what the top four will be. But before we get into discussing college football, I have a six-month-old daughter now. Okay, I am a new dad. And Dan, you're obviously the man. You're like a quarterback guru slash wizard on social media. Follow Dan at Dan Orlovsky7. So if that's your superpower, I've got to give credit to your wife because you have triplet boys and a baby girl. You have four kids, triplet boys. Your wife is an absolute rock star. Yeah, she's a freak, man. She's like, she's probably the Tua of moms. <laughs> You know, nice. I love just, that. I love just, that. You know, just kind of the unicorn. But uh, our boys are almost seven, which is crazy. First grade in sports, and um, you know, like we just talked about, we even the key moments as being a parent where you don't sleep and your kid screams. Like we, we had those certainly when they when they were younger to the times three, and then our daughter who just turned three is a savage. So busy house. <laughs> It's the number one reason why I tell people when they ask you, why did you start working so quickly after playing for 12 years? And I go, I have four kids and a wife who likes fancy things. So that makes- you talk about obviously making the transition, Dan, how has it been moving over from playing football for so long, college professional, and now the radio, the TV calling games first season. I did it last year. There's definitely some bumps and some learning curves. What's been your biggest obstacle so far? And are you enjoying being a, in the booth i love i love everything that i'm doing equally you know i i thoroughly enjoy doing the studio stuff kind of argument or debate as well and i love doing live football games i mean there's you know i, I went to espn obviously fresh out of the nfl and thought man i'm an nfl guy i'm just sticking to the nfl and then Obviously, ESPN having so much real estate in the college game, um, I've quickly fallen back in love with college and, and being a part of the college football world and getting to campus and seeing games and, and whatnot. I'd say the biggest obstacle would be, you know, just learning the little details of TV world, learning the, you know, when, when a producer tells you, hey, I need you to chop that down from 15 seconds to 12 seconds, you go, What? Like it's three <laughs> seconds, but those three seconds matter. So uh, I think that's been the biggest obstacle, but I've been fortunate enough to be a good team. So yeah, dude, I love it, man. 
Well, you're doing a hell of a job. I know everybody gives you compliments all the time, and they're very, very well-deserved. Also, really cool, you are a Connecticut guy. You played football at UConn. You grew up in the state. I would imagine that ESPN's got to be the biggest corporation within the state. So that is very, very cool, and uh, big congratulations to you in your new career. Speaking of college football, let's dive right into it. You, I believe, were at the Michigan game this past week, and I'm going to ask you to sell me on Michigan in a bit, but the top four in the second rendition of the college football playoff rankings come out tonight, and I think we're all on the same page, right? It's going to be one Alabama, two Clemson, three Notre Dame, and four Michigan. Is that how it's going to end up? I mean, obviously, it seems like that's the track right now with Alabama and Clemson being so dominant, but this is college football. It's going to get crazy in these next three weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of when I had to do four last week, I put it just like that, and I expect it to be the case tonight. There, I mean, these last three or four weeks are going to be absolute pandemonium because there's legit chances that everybody from really two, three through seven can lose another game here, three through eight can lose another game here. And I still believe – I mean, I love Clemson. They're, they're awesome. They're going to get tested in Chestnut Hill this weekend. I agree. I, I did a Boston College game this year. They are nasty. They here's the thing that Boston College and Miami or Michigan are a little bit wired the same way, where they play a little bit different brand of football on offense and as a defense that you come from this spread game right now and everything is so spread out. Fitting the run is different when you play teams that play with three tight ends and with tempo and get into kind of traditional smash mouth smash mouth formation. So uh, yeah, those 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 teams, you know, kind of three through seven, still have some challenges. Dan, Dan, does it, it does it matter? I mean, does any of this matter? Can we just end the season right now and just say, listen, Alabama's elite, and and their question mark was always, hey, they haven't played anyone. Look at their schedule, and then they played LSU at LSU, and we all saw what happened that football game. Is the season over? Can we just pack it up, give them the trophy, and just get ready for 2019? And I'd say get ready for 2020 because that team's coming back next year <laughs> with two of those receivers, those backs. Pack it up, and let's just get ready for 2020. I think that certainly the easy thing or the kind of like, yeah, that makes sense, right? And it's hard to argue against that. Um, but let me try. Let me try and do it. First of all, God bless LSU, right? Joe Burrow went into the game with six touchdowns. Like, did anyone think that that was going to go differently than the way it, I mean, six touchdowns? We've got dudes doing that by week in college football. So, like, I wasn't taken aback that that happened. I was impressed with a couple of things from Bama offensively. Tua throws a pick. He comes right back and throws a touchdown past the rig. So that was really nice to see in him respond. As dominant as Alabama has been and as dominant as their talent level is, Weird stuff happens, man. I mean, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. And so Clemson can match up with them. Clemson has the athletes and the, the, the quarterback, the coach. They have the culture to match up with them. Uh, you guys want me to sell you on Michigan, so I'm going to. Oh, God. Don't even tell me they can play with Bama. Yeah, so first of all, Notre Dame's really good. Like, Notre Dame, Notre Dame belongs. Aaron's yeah. been saying that for weeks. Yeah, their, their offensive line is nasty. They've got six six dudes on their offensive line that are going to be first tech, first or second round picks. I mean, they're awesome. And they've got the triplets. I mean, book Washington and, and Boykin are legit. And so I would say that the biggest thing for Notre Dame, if they have to play one of those two teams, get the game to the second half, because, you know, Ian book's been really good about making halftime adjustments. You know, I, I think in the Northwestern, the tech and the pit game, his second half numbers are like, 40 of 50 type stuff. I mean, absolutely outrageous. But let I'll hit you with Michigan. So I saw Michigan in person this weekend. A couple things stand out. One, they're one of the few teams in the country that could rush four guys and get home. That matters. They could absolutely. rush four and get home. Two, Michigan plays man-to-man on defense because they want to, not because they have to. And most teams, have when they're playing man, it's because they have to. We got a blitz to get home. Michigan doesn't. And so they have... Great man covers. Um, they pass off coverage in their man schemes really well. And I look at their offense and go, okay, what? I guess what has given Alabama trouble in, in the past, right? 
somewhat of a mobile quarterback. Um, Shea Patterson's really come along. They're running the breaks off the zone read. And I go back to the point of they're going to line up and play against Alabama a little bit differently than some other teams have. I mean, they're going to, they're going to play with three tight ends. They're going to get into jumbo formations and fitting that as a defense is different. Like you got to fit that the right way or you give creases. And so Michigan's got that. And then dude, Michigan's top four guys pass catch wise goes six, four, six, three, six, three, six, eight. That's legit. I mean, these are yeah. these are dudes. Yeah, these are certainly dudes. The only thing that would worry me, Alabama versus Michigan, is Nick Saban versus Jim Harbaugh. The only time I'm taking Harbaugh in that situation is if we're back in the NFL and it's the 49ers against Saban's Dolphins. Because I will take Saban 10 times out of 10 in that matchup. I know Don Brown has done a hell of a job with that defense. There's absolutely no way that you can argue that. But you're talking about Tua. You're talking about Alabama's offense. Offense that just simply cannot be stopped. And when there was finally one chink in the armor, you just said it, Dan. They showed resilience. He came right back through a touchdown. It doesn't seem like these guys can be stopped. But okay, let's say they are. Let's dream a little bit. Georgia somehow knocks them off in the SEC championship. Where'd you go to school? I went to Georgia, but here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? If Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, guess who's going to the college football playoff? Alabama's going to the college football playoff. Michigan or Notre Dame are getting bounced. There's no two ways around it. There's no Nick way, Drew. There's Saban no way. owns the college football playoff committee. There is absolutely no doubt that this team that has won every single game by 22 points or more, if they slip up to a top five nationally ranked team in the SEC championship game, and that's their only loss, book it. The Crimson Tide are back in the college football playoff. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. It depends on how the loss happens. Like I agree with that because and because I so I did I did a mock thing right where the ESPN brought a couple of us down and we got to do a mock playoff thing where we took the 2013 season and we went down to the Gaylord Convention Center down in Dallas and we did everything that the committee is going to be doing on Tuesday night of this week. Everything. All the metrics that they get, we we sat in the same room. We used the same computers, the same everything. And so they would look at that game and go, you know, how did it happen? Did they get squarely beat? You know, or did does Alabama turn it over three times in a torrential downpour and and Jerry Judy gets hurt in the first quarter, doesn't play? That's a different story. But if they play Georgia and and obviously not in a torrential downpour because it'll be inside but if they play georgia and there's no injuries or no kind of outstanding thing that happens where oh alabama had 12 personal foul type things but if they just get beat squarely and michigan handles ohio state in columbus and whoops them it'd be hard pressed to, to put alabama in and not michigan well, Georgia's yeah. not going to whoop Alabama. I mean, that's that's no, a fact. But, I mean, it's, it's, but look, last year, I mean, Alabama towards the end of the season did catch the injury bug, and then they lost to Auburn. They didn't make the SEC championship game. They got healthy for the playoffs. So crazy things happen. They got a big matchup coming up this weekend. Who knows? Maybe they get knocked around a little bit. Maybe Tua he aggravates his knee. I mean, there's a lot of variables that can happen the next three weeks leading up to that game. So – Hey, any given Saturday, right, boys? So we'll see what happens. What is the deal with Tua and the pseudo injuries? I mean, it's like Paul Pierce slash LeBron James slash if somebody breathes on me or even touches me, I'm going down, bring as many athletic trainers as you can, and then I'll just get back up miraculously and scamper for a 50-yard touchdown and then go down again. What's the deal with that, Dan? Can you explain that to me? It's the mystique, man. It's the, oh it's God. it's saving it's saving continuing continuously controlling it all. Like, hey, Tua, we need some narratives around this. So, like, yes. one, let's pretend you got a knee, and then hey, throw a pick. You know, like, so we could just find something for them to talk about other than how dominant we are, type thing. You know, I totally Dan, agree. Dan, we got we got a lot of obviously Georgia listeners for the uh, the podcast. You have Miami this weekend here in Georgia Tech. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen from the Hurricanes. Obviously, people are still following Coach Rick, what he's doing down there. I know it's been a struggle. Uh, talk to us about the game, anticipations, and what do you see from the Canes? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it before we jumped on, right? Like you guys said, they were number two in the country at this point last year. I mean, in the whole Miami's back. And then 
they were number 15 three weeks ago, and they have just fallen off the planet. I mean, fallen off the planet. First of all, the fact that they're playing Malik Rozier still blows my mind. Blows my mind because I watch tape and I go, why and how? Why and how is he still playing? And then the Nkosi Perry, Nkosi Perry's done some nice things. He plays super young, but they have got incredible talent on the outside, man. I mean, they've got a young tight end, Brevin Jordan, who is a problem. He's going to be a first-round draft pick, freak athlete. Um, they've got three or four young freshman receivers that are really good. I just don't see any creativity in their offense. Their offense is like, you know, when coaches grow up in one system and that's the only system they know and it worked 15 years ago. So, like, hey, I, I saw – I saw this guy run this play really good, and it's like, but I'm not him. And it's like, but I've seen it work. And so I see that on tape, man, and this um, – I, I, they're, they're not nearly as good as they should be. Well, I can tell you right now, if they're as bad as some people think they are, they'll lose to Tech this weekend. Coach Rick historically has found a bunch of success against Georgia Tech, so that'll be a fun game to watch. We will certainly welcome you into Atlanta as you cover that game for ESPN. All right, wrapping this thing up, Dan, I need two bold predictions or bold statements on what to expect in college football over the next three weeks, and I want something that you're not going to say on Get Up for the national audience to hear, and I want something that you're not going to say on college football live or during your game this weekend give us a punt and pass exclusive bold statement from dan orlovsky oh baby okay i'll give you two um i'm gonna tell you that uh okay um clemson is gonna win the national championship Mm. I like that. Wow. I like that. Clemson is going to play Alabama in the national championship and beat Alabama in the national championship because this, because, and this will be the reason why Trevor Lawrence has proven to be the, you know, the, the, the second coming of a true freshman that makes us go, wait, are you the real thing? And if you want to look at what could be, the attack mode for Alabama is go after the secondary, right? Clemson's got dudes to go after that secondary. No question. Dudes to go after the secondary. So I'm going to say Clemson. That's a bold prediction. Clemson beats Alabama in the national championship. And I will say that um, Jim Harbaugh no longer is the coach at Michigan. Oh, yes. Wow. Dan, you are just playing in it. Yeah, you're just, I love it. I love these types of things. Dan, those are great bold predictions. And look, if they both come true, we will replay this and hopefully it'll both go viral. So, man, we appreciate your time. I know you're a super busy dude. Thanks for coming on to the Punt and Pass podcast. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We will certainly keep tabs on you as the season continues. I appreciate it, guys. Good to catch up. Aaron, continue to work on your wedge game, bud. Oh, man. It's the driver (laughs) right now. That's all I got to fix is the driver, and I'm good to go. (laughs) All right, Dan. Appreciate you, you, man. Have a good weekend. Be good. All right, huge thanks to Dan Orlovsky for that awesome interview. Aaron, what a guy. Obviously, I know you have a lot of respect for him as a quarterback, but I thought it was really cool just to kind of hear – his passion reignited for the game of college football. He's really into it, and it's fun talking to him about it. Yeah, and he's doing a great job. I mean, we said I've seen him on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. Shoot, I was uh, at the dog park this morning, and the TV I turned on, and he's covering NFL. I mean, to be able he's to everywhere. juggle NFL and college, uh, he's doing a great, great job right now. And uh, maybe we'll, we're going to see your pretty face up there pretty soon. I Keep bringing it out, Drew. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. That would be great. I loved his two bold statements too, Aaron. Clemson beating Alabama for the national championship. I haven't heard anybody say that. Well, if, then, if anyone if anyone could, it'd be Clemson. Yeah, that is true. And then what was I mean, if anyone one? if anyone can lock up, if anyone can lock up with them, it, it's it's the Clemson. The, the defensive line being able to rush for drop back in the coverage versus Tua, and then offensively, if, if Trevor Lawrence continues to excel, they got the firepower too. Yeah, and then his other bold statement was Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan at the end of the year. Was that what it was? Maybe getting fired, I think so. I have something if like they, that. If, if maybe if Ohio State beats him, 
we uh, we taped that interview on I mean, Tuesday. That, We're doing this Thursday night. Drew? That is, does yeah. It, does the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, does is that coach going to be there the next year? Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. We'll have to talk about that in a couple of weeks. We'll break that down for yeah, sure. Break it down. But with week 11 Get here, let's break down some games, Aaron. First one off the bat. This is really the talk of the week. Ian Book is out. He's not playing for Notre Dame. Florida State sucks. Do not get it twisted <laughs> at all. My question be, to you. Be, be honest, Drew. Yeah. Just tell me how you feel about Florida State. My question to you is this. With Ian Book out, will this game be close at all? I know Florida State has talent. We've been saying about that all year long, but they just haven't showed up. I don't think this one's close. The line's 18. I, I think I'd lay the 18. It's at Notre Dame. Yeah, it's at. I, listen, I don't think Florida State can score. I don't yeah. think they'll be able to move the ball. They're averaging like 79 yards a game rushing right now. I mean, you can't you can't rush the ball for 79 yards a game. Expect to even come close in the big time games. We talk about all the time, Drew Wood travels, the run game travels, and defense travels. Right. And yes, the defense has been on and off and, and been more consistent than the offense for Florida State, but their offensive line is just deteriorated. I mean, it's worse than Georgia. All the injuries, moving guys around, can't get the run game going. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it Blackman? Is it uh, Blackman or is it going to be Francois? Blackman? Blackman? Blackman. There you go. All right. I don't, I don't know. Go. Who knows? Okay. But I like Notre Dame's defense. Okay. You said it's at home. And uh, lay, lay the points. Okay, I'm good. We're both on Notre Dame. That will be a very boring game to watch because, like you just said, Florida State can't score. Notre Dame's rolling. They know that they have to keep the train on the tracks with that big game against Syracuse. Next week, lay the 18. All right, one of my games of the week is in the SEC, and it's not Auburn at Georgia. It's number 12 Kentucky going to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. I would say this. I think Kentucky is in for a rude awakening from this perspective. They had a knockdown dragout fight against Missouri, and then they got their asses kicked against Georgia. That is two very physical weeks back-to-back. Now they don't have as much to play for. I think they could have that dreaded hangover and walk into Knoxville a little sluggish. Jeremy Pruitt has an opportunity to take down two top 25 SEC teams and really be able to hang his hat on something his first year at Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, this would be huge for them to beat Kentucky. I mean, obviously, Kentucky is the second best team right now in the SEC. They're playing great for the majority of the season. I I like Kentucky. I think that is the motivation in that locker room right now. They're telling themselves, yes, we got beat by Georgia. That sucks. We we had high hopes to go to Atlanta, but you got to be happy with the fact that you are the number two team in the SEC East. Yeah, I mean, number that, that, 11 in the college football playoff. That, that, that's something to take pride in. And I think that uh, team's going to rally. Uh, Terry Wilson played well last week. I think that's a good sign for this team. Tennessee's just not there yet. I think they can, I think this isn't, this isn't going to be a blowout. Obviously Kentucky's offense isn't going to go out there and score 40 points, but what is it? Five and a half points. Yeah, spread. it's moved I, to five and a half. So Kentucky's I like, laying I like five Kentucky. And a half on the I, I do. I think their defense is going to step it up. Garantano has played well this season. I've liked him. He's protected the football. Not a lot of turnovers, but like I, said, I think Kentucky is still a team on a mission right now to get to those 10 wins and then to get to a really good bowl game. So Kentucky hasn't beaten Tennessee at Neyland Stadium in 30-plus years. That stuff's real. Obviously, they knocked off Florida earlier in the season to stop that drought, but I like the matchup here from Tennessee because, as you mentioned, Aaron, Kentucky can't score. Tennessee has bad matchups against teams that can score quick, that can score in droves, and then they have to press on offense, and it gets pretty ugly. This one's going to be close. This one's going to go over-under is 42. That's not very high. Give me the five and a half points. I like Tennessee here, and I would not be surprised if they come out and win outright as an underdog. I like Tennessee with five and a half points. A top 25 matchup in the Big Ten. Number 10, Ohio State, who's kind of got some signs of life with that game against Michigan looming at the end of the season. They go to East Lansing to take on number 18, Michigan State, this point, I mean, 11 a.m. local kickoff. Are you kidding me? Ohio State, only a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, though. This should be a good game. I'm interested uh, because I think Ohio State needs to prove something here. Well, they got to get the ball rolling. I mean, they, they literally have to find out who what what is their identity 
Are they a good football team? Because right now we talk about all the time. Michigan is rolling at the moment. Momentum and, and confidence is plays huge in those type of rivalry games. So Ohio State needs to start gaining the confidence going forward. My issue is Brian Lewerke for Michigan State. I had high expectations for him. A dual threat quarterback had a great, great season last year, and he just he hasn't produced. He hasn't been consistent. He has eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's not going to get it done against a defense. Um, I, I like I like Haskins. I like Dobbins. I, I I like Ohio State. I think they are a better team overall. I mean they they do have talent. They're just not putting it all together at the moment. Ohio State, like I said, I think they got a fire lit under their butt a little bit to get the ball rolling before they play Michigan in a few weeks. Yeah, we're on the same page here. I would lay the three and a half. Michigan State inconsistent. I do like Connor Hayward. They're running back a lot. Shout out Connor Hayward, Peachtree Ridge alumni, younger brother of Steelers team captain Cameron Hayward. He's been playing great, but Ohio State has something to play for. I think the offense kind of refines their identity here. Defense should play well, be able to shut down that Michigan State offense. Lay the three and a half. All right, let's go to Tuscaloosa, number one Alabama, welcoming in number 16, Mississippi State. They are climbing back up the rankings. That's interesting. Once to know another crazy spread up for this one. I mean, 24 Number one and versus 16, it's a 24 and a half spread. It's insane. Alabama's laying 24 and a half points at home, so obviously that's what I'm going to pick. Lay the 24 and a half. They will make Nick Fitzgerald so one-dimensional that it will get absolutely First of all, ugly. Nick they're not going to make him. He is one-dimensional. He is one-dimensional. One I mean, he is the king of being one-dimensional. I mean, all he can do is run, and it's, you know, power left, power right, quarterback zone left, quarterback zone right. It just is timing with his footwork and then his receivers downfield, not even downfield, slants, out routes, curls, whatever it is. It's just it's not in sync at all. He doesn't trust it. When you play a defense like Alabama, if you are off with your timing by a split second, you're going to get picked off. I mean, we saw versus LSU, talented DBs, any any hesitation, they're going to take advantage of it. And Alabama's going to take advantage of it. I mean, I could see this game getting out of control in the first quarter once again with a couple early turnovers. Sure. Great field position from Alabama. So I'm, I'm with you, Drew. Lay the points. I don't even know if Mississippi State's going to cross the 50-yard the line. I mean, they, they are going to dominate. They're going to load the box. They're going to play tight man-to-man coverage on the outside. And, and forced Nick Fitzgerald to be accurate. And he just has not done that all season. So I can't buy into him all of a sudden on the road against the number one team in the nation, somehow finding his accuracy. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, you're totally right. And I can't see Mississippi State's offensive staff being creative enough and dialing up something to score points against Alabama. Alabama has won every single game this season by 22 points or more, and it will not stop this weekend. Alabama is going to roll. Talk to me about this game. I don't even want to break it down. This is strictly from a gambling perspective. Oklahoma State is going this is to when we Oklahoma. Need, this is when you, we need your, um, what is it called? My your, transitive your, property? This transitive property. This is the definition of transitive property with I Oklahoma State and Texas. One. Yes, because you told me that Texas, Oklahoma State beat Texas. Yes. How, how much did they beat them by? Two or three. Two it was a close game. It was two or three. It was a close game. Thirty-eight to thirty-five, right? Yeah. Somewhere and then there. Texas beat Oklahoma by yes. three points. So this should be an even matchup. Transitive yes. property tells you that this game is an even matchup. Oklahoma State going to number six Oklahoma. This, of course, is Bedlam. I would say it's one of my favorite rivalries in all of college football just because historically something crazy always happens. But get this. This line has moved so much. I'm going to give you the over-under first, Aaron. The over-under is up to 79.5 points. But Oklahoma is a 21-point favorite. It does not make any sense to me whatsoever because Oklahoma State can score. And Oklahoma can't stop anybody. Well, it's no, the same I, way. Oklahoma State's scoring almost forty points a game, and, uh, and we've seen what Oklahoma's defense looks like. I mean, it's just it is it's seven on seven. It's a whole league. But so, do you um, think that do you I think agree, that Oklahoma I, I, can win this game like sixty-two to forty? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be. I think this is a fifty-five to forty-nine type football game. I do. I, I think this is going to be a an incredible game. If you love offense. Tune in at what time is it? Three thirty. Now you give Th- out a couple like stone cold lock overs throughout the season. Are you willing to put your name by this one? I would. I would put my name by this one. Was awesome. it seventy nine? Seventy nine and a half. This is an Aaron oh, Murray stone cold lock. Are you kidding over. me? 
I love Are it. you kidding? I mean, both teams, Oklahoma's averaging 49 points a game. Oklahoma State's averaging 40, and neither team can play defense. Aaron Murray, Summer Olympics, high jump. This is jump blocked. Over. This may be 100 points. I love it. I love it. All right. Unless it's raining. Unless it's raining. Tell me the, the spread. What's, as long as the weather is looking good. Tell me the spread. As long spread. as the weather is I'll look good. it up right now. But is Oklahoma going to cover 21? I mean, that is outrageous. No, 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 no. Man, if I could bet, CBS won't let us bet, but if I could bet, I would make a lot of money on this football You're game. You're going over, and you want 21 points. I, I, I want, would, heck yeah, I want 21 points. I would totally agree with you, and good for me. I can bet. So I will take advantage of your sage wisdom as a former quarterback. Saturday, it's going to be 48 degrees and mostly sunny. This one's going way over, way over. And Oklahoma State will keep it close. That's that, Aaron. We're on the same side there. Let's head to college game day. Clemson going to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College. Clemson, of course, one of the hottest teams in the nation. Boston College, nothing to sneeze at. They are ranked number 17 in the college football playoff poll. This is a night game. It's at 8 p.m. College game day is there. Like I just told you, the low is 31 degrees Saturday night. Any chance that BC can upset the Tigers? It's not. It's going to be a little cold. It's going. To, it is. I mean, that's that's tough for a, a team down south to go up there. Night game. It's going to be a fun environment. People are like, oh, it's like Vanderbilt. I mean, Boston College is not Vandy. I mean, Boston College. They do care about football up there. It's going to be a lot of the the red and gold. They're excited. And then AJ Dillon. I mean, I so I covered Boston College last year in the uh, the game they had at, at Fenway, and it was raining. It was cold. And he just demolished. I don't even remember who they played. I'm drawing a blank right now. But, I mean, he's a big, big dude, powerful runner. They have a great offensive line. Their quarterback's playing well to keep it somewhat balanced. And Anthony Brown, 16 touchdowns, five picks. So it's cold, big back. I think that can give Clemson a little bit of struggles maybe early on in the game. But I just – I don't think BC has enough athletes on defense to match up with Clemson. I mean, they just spread it out. Trevor Lawrence is balling out right now. I think, like I said, Clemson's too good. They're too confident uh, to get stopped at the moment. But what's the spread? 20? Clemson's a 19 and a half favorite. Wow. I'm, and taking I just BC. Saw... I'm taking BC. Okay. I like that. I just saw Wake Forest just upset NC State. I didn't know wow. if you knew that or not. But NC State number 14 goes down. You like the 19 and a half points. That's a lot of points at home. It, like it's home. And it's a running there. It's a running team in the cold. So I think they're going to uh, – their goal – but BC's goal this game is just let's own the, the, the time of possessions. Let's get it to 33-27, eat up the clock, pound the ball, make it a long, long possession for Clemson to go. Maybe, you know, get a couple first downs and then punt it, that kind of thing. So I like it. That was I like a, it. It's uh, a lot of points. 20 points is a lot of points on the road. That was a very persuasive sales job right there and i'm thinking about switching my pick because i have clemson minus 19 and a half written down but you just mentioned aj dillon is a beast you're right my thought process goes to trevor lawrence though has he ever played in a football game under 40 degrees i don't know he's from carlisle georgia Georgia. yeah he's what do i do here what do i do here you know what i'm riding the wave i'm laying the points i like clemson last time they were there in 2016 it was later on in the season i know boston college wasn't as good as they are this season but they won like 60 to 17 or something like that i'm laying the points here i like clemson they have just scored at will, and I don't think it'll change on Saturday night. All right, let's put a bow on this thing. One last game, and it, of course, is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Number 24, Auburn, coming into Athens, Georgia, to take on the number five-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Now, Auburn had a huge comeback win last week at home against Texas A&M, and Georgia, of course, clinched the SEC East with a big-time road win over Kentucky. I said this last week, this game scared me more than the Kentucky game for Georgia last year. It's Auburn versus Georgia. Jarrett Stidham, we saw him last year in the SEC championship game. We saw what this offense did with a lot better talent than they had this year, what they did to Georgia at Jordan-Hare last year. I don't know, Aaron. Georgia's going to win the game. This one's going to be closer. It's going to be a four-quarter game, and I'll take the points with Auburn. I think it's sitting at 14 right now. I see this as a 10 to 13 point game. Georgia scores late or Auburn scores late to make it a bit closer than it looks. But give me the 14 points. Georgia wins 27 to 14. 
Oh, man. But uh, Auburn's defensive line can't stop anybody. No. Georgia should run for 400 yards. Yeah, I mean, Auburn defensively, it's not I, – listen, they got the talent over there. They just haven't shown it to me. I mean, you turn on the film, and it's like – it's a good defense. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is – it's a good defense. They haven't been as elite as I thought they would be just dominating football games. But I do think – Gosh, I'm torn on this one. You know, I, I was going to go Georgia. Then you started convincing me to, to maybe go Auburn. I mean, I think that that win last week versus A&M, I think that changed their mindset a little bit about how to win. Who's going to win the football games for him. It's Jared Sidham throwing the ball vertically down the football field. So I like, I like Georgia win. it's at home. They're a better football team. They have more confidence. They had the big win too versus Kentucky, but I agree. I mean, it's a big rivalry game. People play harder. People play with more passion. This game just means more, so I, I'm going to take Auburn with the points, but I, dogs still win, and I'm, I'm the same with you. This is, this is a 31-20 to 20 type game. You know what? I, I like what you just said, but I'm switching my pick. I'm laying the points. Georgia is going to blow them out. I just thought about it. Texas A&M ran the ball so much post-game. Jimbo Fisher even said he was like, hell, I was surprised how much how well we ran the ball. Auburn's defensive line sucks. Jake Fromm might throw the ball seven times. Georgia wins. I'm switching it. I'm laying the points. That's it, Aaron. I did the oop de oop on you. Sorry. Unbelievable. Sorry. I, I didn't no know loyalty. you could do that. I no thought loyalty. you walk in, it's over. No you know, loyalty. You, you, you submitted your ballot. It's done. <laughs> recount. <laughs> no recounts. Recount. Uh, no recounts. Provisional vote. Whatever they're calling it. That's too Runoff. Runoff vote. <laughs> Runoff. All right, I'm going Georgia minus the 14. We will check back on Sunday and see who is right. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you, though. Last week, we both went 2-3-1 and one in our picks. So I'm at 30-23-2 on the season. You are at 24-29-2, and two, and we just picked one, Damn, two, it's three, coming four, down five, to the end. Six, I gotta, seven bowl, I, I'm games. feeling bowl season's going to be big for me. It'll be big, and, of course, it's we'll be do big our punt and pass bowl um, pick them as well. All right, man. Anything on the way out? No, I'm freezing my butt off though. I'm in, I'm up in Colorado Springs. It's 28 degrees. There's a chance of four inches of snow this weekend. Yikes. So, huh, that'd be fun. No doubt. Follow us. Air on Force C- New Mexico, baby. That's Let's right. Go. On CBS sports network. Check out Aaron Murray, your favorite analyst in all of college football. Follow us on social media at punt and pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. I am at drew Butler 13 and we will talk to you on Monday. See you.